Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 923. The Foodies Guide to Getting Fit by Rachel Trotta of racheltrotta.com. And I'm your host and narrator, Dr. Neil Malik. Hey there, happy Wednesday, and welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, where I read to you from popular health and fitness blogs to help you optimize your health. Now, Fridays are a little different. That's where I answer your questions right here on the show. Now, today's Wednesday, and every Wednesday on this show, I like to give us a little bit of inspiration. It's the middle of the week. We may be trying to push through these last couple of days, and we need that little boost of energy or that little boost of clarity to help us get through it. So here's today's little bit of inspiration. Quote, the potential of the average person is like a huge ocean unsailed, a new continent unexplored, a world of possibilities waiting to be released and channeled towards some great good. Brian Tracy. And with that, let's get closer to reaching our potential as we listen to today's post and start optimizing your life. The Foodie's Guide to Getting Fit by Rachel Trotta of racheltrotta.com. How to love food while achieving your fitness goals. Every once in a while, I hear a client use this as a reason for why they have difficulty improving their eating habits to support their fitness goals. But I really love food. Slow down, I love food too, but there's a deeper issue here. Love or a bad relationship? I don't know anyone who doesn't love good food. We're wired for pleasure and food is a huge part of the joy that we can experience in life. However, just like in human relationships, it's important to remember that there is a difference between love and a bad relationship, but they can look really, really similar. The most basic self-reflection question you can ask is, what food behaviors improve quality of my life, and which food behaviors take away from my quality of life? If you can pause, reflect, and answer that for yourself, you're on the path to improving your relationship with food. In this case, nutrition has nothing to do with calories or macros. It has to do with how you feel, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Remember, overeating to the point that you have difficulty managing a healthy weight does take away from your quality of life. There comes a point when the benefit of the unbridled enjoyment of food is outweighed by the consequence of health issues. Once you get into some poor habits around food, like eating as a primary self-soothing technique, you find that it's no longer about enjoying food. It's about self-medicating with food. And that's no fun. No judgment, no shame. No black and white thinking. One question. What behaviors do you know, deep down, cause you the most trouble? On the flip side, 
which behaviors and which aspects of your personality are assets in building a healthier relationship with eating. Plenty of quote-unquote foodies who love artisanal guac, local beer, house-made pickles, and stone-fired pizza have an extremely healthful, self-caring relationship with food. How do you build that for yourself? Avoid black and white thinking. The main key, in my opinion, is to avoid black and white thinking. There are no good or bad foods. In the words of Gretchen Rubin, quote, what we do every day matters more than what we do once in a while, end quote. I think this is an essential distinction. It helps deconstruct either or thinking and reminds us that there are some things that are appropriate for occasionally and some things that are appropriate for every day. I'm using the word appropriate to indicate building a healthy relationship with food, not any specific weight loss outcome or moral quality. So the question is, I love food. How do I build a healthier relationship with eating? The answer is by continuing to love food, but learning to appreciate context. Two important strategies. If you're a self-proclaimed foodie, you're a connoisseur of flavor, texture, and preparation. The prospect of formal dieting can seem stuffy and unfulfilling. So what's a foodie to do? There are two important strategies that I, as a self-identified foodie, use to make healthy eating accessible and sustainable. They both revolve around context. Is this an everyday meal or a every once in a while meal? Make everyday meals more interesting. You don't have to relegate yourself to a bland diet of poached chicken breast, unsalted broccoli, and dry rice. Instead, there are low-calorie enhancements that you can add to your meals in order to eat well, both in the health sense as well as the Epicurean one. Salsa, especially salsa verde, for example. Aromatics like basil, cilantro, and thyme. Citruses like lemon and lime. Moist textures like lentil soup or baked zucchini lasagna. Salt. Mixed dishes like nachos or tacos. These techniques are simple and easy to implement. $2 worth of cilantro can make a dish taste 10 times better. Make every once in a while meals more infrequent. With many clients who dine out frequently, I encourage them to recognize when an occasion is truly special and when it's just another meal out. Yesterday, for example, I ate both lunch and dinner out with friends. This is not typical for me, and because it was a lot of restaurant eating, I chose to order menu items and to make modifications that allowed the keep it interesting rule, but weren't truly indulgent. For lunch, I had a kebab cob salad at Chopped with extra chicken and lemon juice and olive oil instead of the default dressing, And for dinner, I had the macro bowl at Pizza Beach, which is red quinoa with kale, chickpeas, and carrots. Neither of these meals were momentous occasions, and I ordered food to match. Both were very good, and I enjoyed them. But I was going to Pizza Beach to meet my friend, not to turn over a new culinary leaf. On the other hand, when I'm traveling like I was this past weekend, I enjoy exploring a region partly through its cuisine. In Maine, I had a lobster roll. And in New Hampshire, I had pizza and pasta at a fabulous gluten-free restaurant. The appreciation of context is extremely powerful. A big step in the right direction for improving your relationship with food is knowing when a specific dining experience contributes to the specialness of an event. There's a huge difference between enjoying a fine glass of wine in Tuscany and pouring yourself a habitual glass of wine alone in your apartment at night. In examples like these, it's important to pause and ask yourself, is this love or a bad relationship? Is this special or am I using this as an excuse? Is this adding to the quality of my life 
or taking away from it? Is this an everyday habit or an every once in a while habit? Whether you're asking yourself these questions about food, drink, or exercise, no one can answer for you. It's your responsibility and privilege to make these decisions for yourself. There's no right and no wrong with food and exercise. You just listened to the post titled The Foodie's Guide to Getting Fit by Rachel Trotta of racheltrotta.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. Earlier this week, we were actually talking about how we can become conditioned to turn to certain foods when we want to feel better. By conditioning, I mean it becomes a habit where we turn to certain foods because we know they make us feel better, like comfort foods, your chips, mashed potatoes, pizza, donuts, french fries, if you're me. And what psychologists are learning that if you wanna break that habit, if you no longer wanna turn to those comfort foods to make you feel better, what you have to do is pause for a second and think to yourself, do I really need this? And that's basically what Rachel was mentioning. When you're dining out and you're about to order, pause for a moment and think. As Rachel mentioned, think about the context. Is this a special meal where I can indulge a little bit or have I already been indulging the past five days? And what psychologists are learning is that if we just pause for that moment and think for a second about the context, we can actually change our habits because now we give our brains a little bit of time to maybe make a better decision. We're making it less automatic. So if you pause for a moment, as Rachel mentioned, and ask yourself any one or number of questions, it will likely change your behavior and it will likely help you make an even better decision. All right, that'll do it for another edition of Optimal Health Daily. Thank you as always for listening and I'll see you back here tomorrow where Optimal Life awaits.